Oh, here we go again. Hey, everybody. Guess what? We're back. Yes, we're back again. Yes, we went we went to the store and we got milk and uh, and we decided, hey, you know, we're going to go back home. We're going to do this again. Yep. Me, Stan, we're holding it down. Hey. We're going to do another uh, interview with a wonderful guest. His name is Glenn Jackson, and he is the owner and operator and host of the Sports Cats Misfits podcast. And man, do they talk about anything and everything, but we will get to that. <laughs> toward the end of the show. But now that we've uh, got that intro out of the way, Glenn, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the uh, invite. Well, my name's Glenn. I'm a medically disabled paramedic firefighter. Uh, I have three children, uh, one of which I claim, um, uh, <laughs> and uh, two grandchildren, one, the youngest about to turn two. So you may hear screaming in the background and we're not killing anyone. <laughs> so I don't think we are. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we talked about doing the show because you wanted unique stories of parenting and raising kids while you're trying to do a 24 48 schedule is kind of crazy. And then working part time to survive because paramedic firefighters don't make a lot of money. So we usually have to have more than one job. And so the two days off provides us that opportunity too. So. Yeah, I was born and raised in Northern Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., a little area called Mount Vernon. Then I moved to uh, Knoxville, a little area called Coryton, Tennessee. Spent many years there before moving to where I am now, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I retired in, well, I was medically retired in 2020. I've been uh, kind of sitting at home, stayed home. Grandpa, I uh, do the Sport Cat uh podcast i have the misfit podcast which is saturday nights and then i do another one on wednesday nights paranormal guys which i do a lot of crazy stuff talking about bigfoot aliens government conspiracies i run a patch and coin business on the side kind of as hobby really all there is about me kind of boring <laughs> that's all there is about you but that's way more than i got going on <laughs> are you a an active babysitter of your grandkids do you have them you know to yourself sometimes Sometimes, yes. Um, the youngest, Wyatt, he's uh, almost two. My nickname for him is the Tiny Terrorist um, because I think he runs the house. And sometimes I think he babysits me. The other night I was apparently trying to do an old man nap on the couch and he was bouncing up and down on me. And I'd wake up and be like, okay, you're good. And then turn <laughs> back off. <laughs> it's funny you say that. My son is actually right about, he'll be two next month. So he's right in that same uh, age range, and he is—he's a terror sometimes. <laughs> uh, that having someone like that in your life that's so close to my son, I'll probably have a couple questions that you might have opinions on, as far as just um, eating habits and, and things like that. But I have a habit of taking over. Yeah, I introduce the show, and then and then I just kind of take take off with all of my questions. But I'm gonna go back to the way I used to run things. And Dan, do you have anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I kind of wanted to get into the the medical field part that you're in, the paramedic firefighter aspect of it. Is that something you were interested in at a young age or is it just something you kind of took interest in as you got older? Um, well, it's kind of a funny story. Um, third generation firefighter was the only one to do the medical training. Of course, 
But also, you got to consider we've advanced the technology, and they didn't have paramedics back at my grandfather and my uh, uncle's time period. Um, but I was the only one dumb enough to hit my head and go to paramedic school. It's <laughs> a two-year degree to uh, basically we have the same training uh, in school that nurses do, and then it branches off where they learn how to fold bed sheets and stuff like that. So we go into trauma and advanced cardiac. So. Uh, I had the interest in firefighting, and I've tried several times to escape it. Actual first job out of high school was with uh, Fairfax County Fire and Rescue as a photo unit. Um, I thought I could make a living as a photographer um, for a long period of time. <laughs> and an artist doesn't necessarily make much money either. Uh, so when we had kids in D.C., it was like, oh, we got to bail out of D.C. It's too expensive here. So we went to Tennessee. Um, and being that far south, I was considered an outsider, so it was difficult to get hired with the fire department. And one of my volunteer fire chiefs said, well, you're not going to get hired until you become an EMT. So what I do, I went and signed up for EMT school. Um, halfway through, I realized I'd already had the training in Virginia, but uh, I had to do it in Tennessee anyhow. And, and then after I graduated from EMT school, I started working on an ambulance while actively trying to get hired with the fire department. Um, and then that same chief come to me and goes, you don't stand a chance of getting hired unless you're a paramedic. And and I was thinking that I would enjoy the paramedic side more anyhow, because uh, you're in the back of the ambulance uh, making the decisions. You're in charge of the medical scene. So it gives you a little bit more hands on. And it also allows you to do things that you don't normally get to do uh, as an EMT, uh, you know, interventions and patient care and treatment. And so I went to school for two years, became a paramedic. And I was like, all right. Paramedic, I'm gonna get hired by the fire department. <laughs> and so it took a while, but uh, I uh, applied all over uh, the southeast and uh, landed in a little county uh, just outside of Atlanta, not little, but a uh, large county outside of Atlanta, DeKalb County, Georgia, uh, where I spent, oh gosh, 10 years there um, as a firefighter paramedic. And then, like I said, we worked part time. In Tennessee, I also took another class, uh, critical care paramedicine, which is where you do even more stuff. It's like you're working in an ICU in the back of an ambulance. Oh, wow. um, so I hooked up with a really cool part-time gig since I was on one day and off two days. I could fly on a Learjet, and you know, in about five, six hours, you can be almost anywhere in the country. A um, couple hours, you could be almost anywhere in the world on a Learjet. And yeah. so... Uh, I took that gig and had a blast. I went, I've been around the world. I've flown uh, missions in Kandahar, I've been to Europe and uh, had a blast. And so I loved that job. That was a great job. So Awesome. <clears throat> so which one do you, uh, do you prefer more uh, paramedics or the EMT side or the firefighting side? You know, that's kind of a trick question because it's really mixed because the adrenaline of, you know, going in and fighting the fire is awesome. I mean, even at my age, 55, when I was still at, well, no, I was in the early fifties at the fire department, I was the first one off the engine, the first one to have the hose, the first one to the door. I was beating the kids um, because that's the fun part, you know, going in, putting out the fire. Um, and there's an actual science to it um, too, believe it or not. But yeah. Um, after the first 30 minutes of fighting a fire, it's just pure, hard, manual labor. Uh, at that point, you can put me in the back of the ambulance with the air conditioner. <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> so it's, 
it's kind of a mixed it's a mixed emotion because I loved the firefighting um and then I specialized in vehicle extrication cutting up cars and stuff so that was wow. always fun um and then I was a hazardous materials technician and um what they call hazmat medic uh I loved that too so it's kind of a mixed bag I mean I guess if I had to say for the adrenaline I would say the firefighting but as far as the actual one-on-one helping people the ems side is really where it's at because you get to make a difference in people's lives right yeah i had a um i went to when i went to college i had a buddy that um he did the it was fire science i think it was called but he went and did that and he in our hometown he um he volunteered with the fire department and his dad was on it his uncle was on it and so that was kind of kind of similar to what you you know you come from firefighters. So he kind of came from it. So he wanted to continue. And when he told me he was going for fire science, not to sound mean or anything, but I was like, you have to, you have to go to school for that. Like, he's like, well, there, yeah, there's, there's more to it than just kicking in the door and all that stuff. And the more, the more we, we hung out after class and the more we talked on our ride homes and just riding around in general, I was like, Oh, wow. There, there really is like a quote unquote science to, fighting a fire you don't just kick in the door and spray water everywhere you got to actually you got to plan and it's you know it's a lot it's more involved than i thought it would ever be so that's that's kind of cool yeah i actually uh was finishing my degree when i was attacked on duty uh and my career came to a stop uh in fire science i was getting my bachelor's in it and yeah there's absolutely something to it now I mean, my grandparents, you know, they would they would crawl in with the hose and wouldn't have an air pack on breathing air. You know, they're breathing the water off the hose, you know, just trying to get to the wet stuff on the red stuff. But we've learned now that, you know, there's more to it. Plus, the big thing, the biggest thing is building construction has changed so much since their generation. Um, Yeah. Everything now is plastic. Everything is lightweight construction. And you don't know your construction. You can get in a bad spot quick. So. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a little bit to it. Well, I'm already learning something. Um, <laughs> I uh, I try to learn, or I don't try. I don't even have to. I just learn something every episode. So yeah, put, put the blue stuff on. Uh, oh, it was the wet stuff on the red stuff? That was awesome. That's got. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's something that they say to each other, like you know, just in random conversation. Oh yeah, find them hot, leave them wet. That's another good one. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, so you said you lived in Knoxville. That's actually uh, not not really um, convenient necessarily, but it is a touchstone because me and Dan live in uh, Bristol. Well, he lives in Kingsport. I live in Bristol. Okay. So uh, we are familiar with the area. I am a uh, I'm a UT fan more than I'm a Knoxville fan. I don't really get down there too awful much unless it's for a concert or something like that. But I'm familiar with the area. Uh, are you uh, yourself familiar with, you know, further east, this this particular uh, area? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, actually uh, the county I worked in, you probably are familiar with Granger County. I've heard that it. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was the county that uh, just uh, what is that south of Jefferson County there? Um, I think where, so. Yeah. And Jefferson County is where we took everybody. Well, not everyone, if, depending on what part of the county. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with that area. In fact, my oldest daughter lives in Greenville right now. So. All right. On, oh, uh, wow. That's where my well, my wife works. Uh, she lives in Bristol and drives all the way to Greenville every day. <laughs> hour there, an hour back. Talk, talk about dedication. So, anyways, were you uh, at all? Are you a sports fan? Oh yeah, yeah. Were you following um, the 
Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, the Vols. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's funny when I moved to uh, Knoxville in DC, you, you know, we were blessed to have a professional sports of every you know genre, and so I'd never really been much of a college fan. We would always see, you know, the biggest thing we would see college was Georgetown basketball, uh, and occasionally Penn State football, but everything was really geared in the DC area more towards the pros. So when I moved to Knoxville. Um, I was told that I had to, my blood had to bleed orange <laughs> and I fought it so hard at first. I was like, come on, you guys are crazy. This is not anything. Oh, this is not like the pros. They taught me better. So <laughs> I won't say I bleed, I bleed orange, but I am a dedicated fan. Yes. Right on. I feel you. I feel you being a transplant. I'm from, uh, I'm actually from New Hampshire. I've been here about 13 years now. And at first I was like, nope. Nope, nope. And slowly but surely, I have a hat and a shirt and a sweatshirt now, and I've got like a whole wardrobe now. So I feel your pain there. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I worked part time in uh, the nine one one community. Well, and actually full time in the nine one one communications center in Knoxville. And on Fridays uh, before game day, they would always have dress in orange day. And I was like, I don't even own anything orange. And so it got to be a joke. I was like, all right, my underwear is orange for you guys. Until, you know, they finally, they were like, here, wear this shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It sucks that we picked the the one color that doesn't go with anything ever. <laughs> true. It's true. Well, camo. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. If you're going hunting, yeah, we're good to go. We're the, yeah. we're, we got to be one of the safest states as far as that's concerned. <laughs> right. We got that going for us, anyways. Uh, before I jump in on something else, Dan, did you have uh, something you wanted to take? No, I'd... go for well, Just we're a lazy river. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that's what we kind of say. We, we tend to take a lot of different tangents and go off on a lot of different, uh, paths, so to speak. Uh, we always end up at, at the end though. So that's all that really matters. Uh, you, uh, mentioned, we talked briefly about how you take care of your grandson, uh, at least one of them, the one that is right at my son's age. And if you if you do nothing else, I'm sure that you are feeding him, you know, uh, whatever time you have him, maybe dinner, maybe lunch. So you have experience in that a big deal with me right now. Uh, and it's not something that's like, you know, putting a, a grind in my gears anymore. It's just something I'm constantly uh, presented with is picky eating. You know, my son will I'll make him something that he liked yesterday and today he won't even have a bite of it. And it's more a worry about his health and how he's you know growing and and progressing but with that being said what do you do when when you're presented with that issue do you just uh well i don't even know i don't want to put words in your mouth what do you what do you do yourself well why it is a picky eater as well um we are fortunate though that uh, he likes blueberries i think the kid's gonna be blue uh <laughs> he uh if if there's nothing else he will eat, put a bowl of blueberries down and he will eat that. I don't I don't get it personally, but um he loves uh blueberries, strawberries, so we're fortunate there as far as getting some good nutrients in. Uh but yeah, you're right. You may pick a hot dog for lunch one day and then the next day, no, it's not gonna work. Or it's a, you know, maybe a, a turkey sandwich or a grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, no, not today. So uh, it's always kind of crazy. Um it's the funniest thing is I forget because I like spicier foods and I'll put like something 
maybe a little spicy on mine, you know, just some jalapeno pepper or something. And I'll forget and he'll either grab a bite of my pasta or whatever. And the expression, it's like he's trying to wash his tongue. And so my daughter's like, what did you do? <laughs> I didn't do anything. So it's funny because uh, uh, I think he actually likes it, but it's gotten to be where he sees his mother's reaction. <laughs> so it's more it's more to get at her i think but yeah he is uh, a picky eater and it's hard to say you know we may have uh, a chicken nachos one night and then the next night meatloaf and he's like nope i don't want this meatloaf and he, all he'll have is the chicken nachos leftovers for three days so it's it is hard to do um and the one thing now that they didn't have when i had uh, young children They've got these pouches. I think they're from uh, NASA or something. And they've got every nutrient under the world in them. And my God, they come in every different flavor. So uh, he'll be like, pouch, pouch. All right. I can hook you up with that. <laughs> right on. <laughs> we we actually have some pouches. I don't know if we're referring to the same ones, but we got away from that. And it's good advice that maybe we should try that again. He certainly liked them at the time. We just kind of stopped offering them to him. So he obviously stopped drinking it eating it whatever you do with sauce but um that's uh that you know that's good advice and that it's reassuring if nothing else because it, it is frustrating in not like a an angry sort of way but in like a god i just want to give up sort of way when you know i, I have to feed him you know i'm like here's pancakes for breakfast and he's like no or 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 just like even worse it's like nah nah like just the same, the same tone, just again and again. And I'm like, okay, man, what do you want then? And he's like, Elmo, which means these like uh, little tiny granola bar things. It just, and it's not even Elmo, it's Grover on the box. And he just confuses <laughs> that with Elmo. So, and, and I'm just like, you can't live off of these, bro. And then you, my, my wife will turn to me and she will make a comment about how I basically only eat kind bars for breakfast and lunch. <laughs> And, and I'm like, this is about doing what I say, not as I do. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, that's funny. You'll probably hear Elmo being screamed in the background. That's the thing he watches on TV 24-7 when it's on. My gosh, you can't have anything on. I'll go in there and I'll be like, ESPN. He'll be like, no, Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah. are. Um, we're in a blippy phase, actually. It was Elmo. And now he uh, Elmo's just not exciting enough. It needs uh, monster trucks or construction vehicles or fire trucks. Uh, and Blippi has, he, he hits all of those notes. So it's basically get up in the morning and put Blippi on at least for a little while because he just expects Blippi. And I really feel like, yeah, I have no hard evidence. I've not made note of it, but I really feel like he's learning, you know, just by, uh, the, you know, the very nature of what the show is, it's uh, educational. It's something that, I mean, the most educational, okay, uh, the most educational thing that I had when I was growing up was at the end of GI Joe, where they're like, Hey, eat an apple instead of a chocolate bar. <laughs> no one's half the battle. You know, that was about as good as it got for me. So yeah, I feel like, uh, and it, with that being said, Sesame street, I guess was on, but for whatever reason, like I just wasn't watching that. Um, but Blippi, like, I mean, he can really teach you some stuff. D Dan, does, uh, Maddie watch Blippi at all? Uh, no, we do Miss Rachel, um, but that has, it's basically the same thing, but she, you know, you know how it is. I'm sure he's watched yeah. some of that, but she's, she's just prettier. Yeah. And yeah, but she's learned so much. Like the other last night we were going through all the little like nursery rhymes that she learned just from watching that. And 
it's wow. it's insane just she's been uh let's see about a month not straight but like for the last month we've really incorporated that and she really asks for her so, and just in that month alone uh not because of that but that's i say that's a big help because my wife uh really works with her too but it's kind of along the same lines as blippy but yeah it's taught my little girl oh my god a lot of stuff yeah we are really blessed as parents these days to be able to get a like we can plop them down in front of the TV and not feel guilty about it. Like, yeah. yeah. Like as you know, I'm you know, parents. It's funny. He uh, can't communicate or enunciate a lot of words yet. He's just getting to where he's learning to use uh, a lot of the language. But I think it's Miss Rachel that you were talking about that does sign language. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, he has, yep. he has, please. Thank you. More now, all yeah. done. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. My son could not pick that up. Like we tried. We actually were like, you know, whatever it is. I don't even remember. But it's awesome that he's able to have picked that up. Yeah. Yeah. He's got it. And because uh, yeah, I recognize some of it from the field. I knew just enough to get me in trouble. And then I was like, <laughs> where did he get that? That's incredible. So yeah, he's got more of a sign language vocabulary than he does a vocal vocab- vocabulary. Yeah. Right on. Madison, Madison picked up. She does more and and stop. Like one of the one of the songs she does has the stop motion, and she does it in sign language. And she's she's picking up a lot of that too. It's not as I mean, she's talking almost in sentences, but she's been picking up lately. I've seen her do it, and I'm like, what is she doing? And my wife's like, she's learning sign language from Miss Rachel. I'm like, oh, cool, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, they didn't have that. No, nope. Rogers and Electric Company. <clears throat> Yeah, I had I was kind of like Corey. I had G.I. Joe and and you know the Scooby Doo reruns and all that stuff. So that's about my educational you know stuff. I had Transformers and Speed Racer and Spider Man's cartoons, but yeah, I'm with you. So yeah, yeah, we are like it's sad that we are all naming off awesome cartoons that yeah. are way better than anything that's out today. Oh and God, yes. It, it's uh, we have a segment that we we haven't done we haven't done a, an old show in a long time but we have a segment where we debate uh, the song that was number one uh, when we were young versus the song that's number one uh, when our kids uh, were born and um it's inevitably well i won't say inevitably but nine times out of ten the songs from the 80s beat the songs from the the 2000s yes. and it, it's never really close like the other day it was aerosmith versus like 21 pilots or something like that yeah i mean that's not even a comparison I mean, no like, no no like, it was just silly so, but it's still like we really like rock music that's a big part of something that we, we were uh two bands together so that's something that really interests us and we try to incorporate that somehow uh we will i guess get back to it one day these interviews we're both of us when we when it's like i, I don't know an hour maybe even two hours before it's time to start we're both like dude my stomach hurts dude i, I gotta pee like i'm so nervous like i just don't do and I, I can't speak for dan but i do not do well speaking to strangers because i want to give like i want to put on you know a good front for you i want to uh, put off a good impression i want you to like me and you know have a good time and i don't want the, the internet to go down or you know whatever the case may be and and so i'm you know all these things are running through my head and i'm like oh god uh, and then and then we hit you know record or whatever and it's it's all better after that. Like, it, you know, it just kind of flows and, and things kind of, kind of ease off. And I'm glad that that is once again happening. So that that's good to know. Uh, before I steal one of your questions, Dan, do you have anything that you wanted to ask? Uh, I was going to ask about where uh, we are starting the potty training phase. I was wondering if you 
uh, with your grandchildren, if you're, if you guys are starting that, or if you can remember back from your kids, I know times have changed, but, uh, I was wondering if you had any tips for us dad starting with that. Oh gosh. No, um, we haven't with Wyatt yet. Uh, Harper, uh, she is in, um, Vermont. And so I don't really have any close hands-on with them. Um, but from what I recall, and it was a million years ago, it seems like, um, you know, you just got to be consistent. Um, and the, and I know this is going to sound, you know, what the right word is sexist or whatever, but I think the females play a bigger role in it than the males because they're not embarrassed to take the kids into the bathroom. They're not embarrassed to do the things that we're like, oh God, we'll look like a pervert or, you know what I'm saying? And so there's a, there's a bond there. And if uh, they're consistent with it, usually it's okay, but you still have to, you know, work with them. Um, and thank God now, you know, they get to pull on diapers and stuff. And I mean, we didn't have cloth diapers with ours, thank <laughs> but, uh, and I mean, I understand that's the way to go now from a lot of people, but um, it makes it so much easier. You can put them to bed and be like, all right, if you got to go one last shot, you got an opportunity. But uh, the consistency, <clears throat> getting a uh, routine, you know, as far as uh, like, I won't say you go every hour or something, but, you know, you eat and then after a little while you go pee, you know, you try and set a time so that they recognize and put something in their head with, okay, well, something's come in, something's got to go out. So it's just the consistency, really. Right on. A lot of our, our uh, other guests that we've had, they have multiple kids and they say, well, they just want to be like big brother or big sister. And I'm like, well, damn it, we don't have that. So that doesn't really, but yeah, being consistent and, and that the routine thing, I didn't, well, you said I loosely use routine kind of like you did, but yeah, that, that makes that makes kind of a lot of sense. And, and um, like you said, when something goes in, it's eventually got to come out somehow. And, you know, even though uh, mine's a little older than Corey's mine's three, so she might be able to understand that maybe a little more and right now. And maybe that's something that uh, we need to try with her. So cool. Right on. Hope it helped, but yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just, like I said, trying to establish, you know, something in their head to where they know coming in it's got to go out so yeah because she like we try to tell her like hey tell us when you have to go but inevitably she gets sidetracked watching tv or playing with her toys or whatever and she just you know they're, they're not going to say at, at our at the age that we have they're not going to say hey i gotta you know they're not going to stop and say hey i gotta go to the bathroom they're just gonna they're so used to just going in their diaper that they're just going to keep doing that so that's a that's something to think about definitely for me yeah, the routine thing that kind of falls in line with bedtime. Like we talked about yeah. how you need to get a routine to get them used to going at the same time. And mm -hmm. it makes sense that, that the same thing, the same method would work for any number of things. And that includes uh, potty training. Now, I'm, I'm going to steal something from Dan because he may or may not have been uh, intending to ask this question, but I do like to to get it out there just because these, these can come that these can come in all shapes and forms but what would you consider to be your last win as as a dad or a grandfather you know, what did you do that you uh walked away from it feeling pride at having done a good job at, at a b or c whatever the case may be hmm oh another tough question 
Um, well, I think one thing um, that I'm really happy with uh, my son, which is the baby, um, he got a really great work ethic uh, from me. Hopefully not too bad, but he also uh, understands family time. He understands uh, the division of work from um, the family. And he has taken, and I, it makes me proud seeing him. He'll do things now that I know I did at the time. Uh, like he'll set up family vacation. It may just be the weekend they're going to go fishing or they're going to go to something. And he sets that up as, you know, work's not going to call me. They're not going to mess with me. And um, I mean, it's a little easier for me on my job. I can't really call you unless the world's coming to an end. But, um, you know, he has, I see in him, you know, and like I took the kids to uh, Tampa down to uh, see the uh, uh, the Rays. They have a, uh, well, they did. I don't know. They still do a uh, Ray tank, huge water uh, aquarium in the outfield. And uh, they also have a cigar lounge which was good for me. Uh, and uh, I took them there and they could they could pet the rays, they could feed the rays. We got to see a baseball game. You know, that was one of the things that I always, every year, at least once a year, we had a big trip, but we tried to separate time for us. You know, okay, your friends are cool. They can tag along every now and then, but no, this is our time. Um, so I, I guess that's a, uh, I take that as a win. Uh, plus he's, he's really, he's, he's excelled further than me, I think, as far as, uh, doing things with, uh, with that, because he's, he's, he's so far away now. Um, but, um, now with the grandchild, I don't know that there's any wins because he's like a little terrorist. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, um, I don't know. And I, I, I guess I could say watching him grow from the little squirt to the terrorist now um and with we were talking about the sign language um he's taught me please and thank you and so it's kind of cool to see we communicate that way it just makes me feel different than his he had said please or thank you and i don't know why it feels more rewarding because it means it's still the same thought and intention but it just feels better because we've had that communication um but i love uh he will uh we have to we have doggy gates for the the terrorist and uh, in the morning uh, if he hears that uh, i've woke up you know turn the fan off or the tv on in the bedroom or whatever he's yelling at the at the doggy gate papa 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 <laughs> and it's rewarding to know that he actually wants to be around in a part of his life <laughs> Either that or my daughter's driven him to the point where he's done with her shit. I mean, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I would yeah, tell nice. her that too. So you don't have to worry about editing that. It, there's there's something about when they call for you. It, it just, it's almost the same and not quite as strong, but almost the same as when they giggle. Uh, they're just, it just, it really does give me a feeling that I would never have thought one could experience before I had a son. And while you were talking, I had a couple uh, more ideas just for, uh, questions that that I, I have asked before that interest me in some way, shape, or form. But before I get to one of those, Dan, did you have anything? Uh, I was going to ask. I know it's been a while, but um, what was the, if you remember, or or this could be you could give it to somebody as your your own piece. But um, what was the best piece of advice somebody gave you 
either right before or right after your kids are born or that you could give a new father because we try to um we try to appeal to all fathers but my not special mission or special goal but is i want to reach new fathers more than just you know people like that have had kids for a while because it's scary man i'm not gonna lie having finding out when you're having a kid and the months leading up and the day and you know that it kind of it's it's scary as hell because you have to grow up quick and um if you're not already you know mature so i was wondering if you what what was the best piece you had or what what's the best piece of advice you could give maybe a new father or even somebody that's struggling with being a father um well your life changes uh your whole world your vision of the world changes everything changes uh you just took on responsibility for another human being um and it's not just for 18 years you worry about the rest of their life and then you get grandkids and now you worry about them so it's like a never-ending cycle um the best thing is um i never really had a dad around so it was tough because i didn't know how to be a dad and uh, i started with my youngest really early i mean i was a teenager um so i started really early Uh, so i didn't have a whole lot of advice from others i kind of it was a a joke that each kid got better than the last kid um, because we were some ways learning on the job. But the the view that it does change everything, the dynamics in your life, everything's changed. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna watch the news different. You're gonna watch what you say. You're everything changes. Um, so you know, man up. Um, you're in for a hell of a ride. Um, mm-hmm. It gets better. <laughs> it does get better. Um, but yeah, the first couple of years are a little rough because uh, my son, when he had Harper, uh, he was like, I didn't realize what you meant. He said, I look at everything totally different now. He says, I don't even watch yeah. the news the same. Way. Yeah. Yeah. You think about things you don't normally think about. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, you know, man up. It's, it, you know, it, it, the, the father that was prior to my generation was kind of the leave it to beaver father or the you know i guess that's a good one my three so i don't one of the tv shows in the 50s where um you know the mom stayed home and took care of um everything and dad went off to the office or wherever you know and so that was kind of the way i came up but my mom had to work because she was a single mom so i had to rely on aunts and uncles and things um so when I had children, I already had that relationship with having close family. I had aunts, uncles, mom, grandparents, and everybody to help. So it was good to have that. Um, but yeah, just man up, make a mistake, own it, you know, because that's the one thing about a kid, kind of like a dog. They'll forgive you for almost anything, but they're going to catch you in, in it. Uh, so just man up and own your stuff because. You know, he may, you may think they don't see you sneaking that Mountain Dew they can't have. But they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so, you know, just man up and own it because, you know, it's, it's, it's what we do. And it's, it is tough. I think it's tougher now to be a parent than it was when uh, I raised mine. And I hate to say that because it makes me sound so old, but there's so many dynamics now that we never had to, to, yeah. to even think about. You know, everything from the internet to 
the world is collapsing around us. We're going back to the eighties cold war, you know, it's so (laughs) much to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I've said, even, I know I'm the, I'm the youngest one here, but um, even me growing up, I, I grew up in a small, when I say small, I mean tiny, but I grew up in a small place and we didn't have, you know, I grew, I was born in 90. So, um, we still didn't have the internet where I was from and cell phones weren't a thing. So we had to go outside and use our damn imagination and play in the dirt and get dirty and ride your bike and pretend it was a motorcycle and do all that fun, crazy stuff. And, you know, like you said, they have all this technology now that I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd want to grow up in, in today. Like I, I kind of, I, I like the way, the way I grew up, I grew up not rough as in I had a rough home life, but I grew up in the dirt, getting dirty with my friends. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's totally different even from when I was a kid. So I can, you know, I can only imagine um, further like in the 80s, 70s, what it was like growing up then. But yeah, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It, it, in, the attitudes and not to not to try and get political or anything, but to the schools or you know everything is so much different too. Um, yeah, and, and and like I said, I'm not talking necessary politics. I'm just talking about even we'll just say the way they teach math. God sakes, two plus two used to be pretty simple, but now they got a <laughs> little yep. box and thing you got to do <laughs> stuff in. Hell, I'd say. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I took pharmacology for God's sake. <laughs> And we actually had uh, an episode where we debated whether we would homeschool our kids or send them to public schools, you know, based on what I'm sure you see in the news all the time. And we uh, talked about how math now is just ridiculous and how we would fail and and who's going to help our kids if we do send them to school because I don't know Common Core and I don't really want to learn it that much either. Nope. So things... Still don't know metrics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I've gotten away without learning metric, without learning kilometers, really, without learning Celsius, and I'm I'm totally fine with that. I've, yeah, I've, no concerns. Yeah. Um, so kind of to take back over it and and direct it back at your son. One of the uh, stereotypes that you see a lot on you know whatever you want to uh, media you want to point to is the uh, the angry teenage son not getting along with dad and I did have a guest on the other day that went through that and ever since then I've been kind of curious as to what the relationship was you know with corresponding fathers and I was just wondering did you go through that with with your son did you guys have that stage where you would butt heads Uh, because I I am currently afraid of of having to deal with that one day and, and you know having Jackson who I love so much and loves me you know, saying, I hate you, dad, and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, did you ever have to endure that? Um, Probably not to a major extent. Um, I think I was lucky with Kyle, either that or he got by with more than I know about. Um, but he did go through that a little bit. Um, he had that little bit of period where he wouldn't cut his hair and take a bath. And, you know, he had to skateboard and he was gone. You'd be like, are you going to be him by nine? And then he'd be home at 11. And um, so there was some of that. Um, but I think he realized that. Uh, man, I don't know how to say this. I think he realized who was in charge and there was a line he could go to before dad would you know, just snap and go ballistic on him. But um, and I was really lucky with my wife. She was much more patient than I was. Um, but it was, it's funny though. Um, 
Harper is about to turn three. Yeah, about to turn three. And he calls me up one day and he goes, Dad, he goes, I got a problem. What? He goes, Harper hates me. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I used to come home and I'd be gone, you know, from like six in the morning while she was still asleep. And I'd get home at like five. And it was like our time. And Carrie would be like, okay, you deal with her. I'm done with her for a while. And he goes, she doesn't want anything to do with me. She wouldn't even look at me. She hates me. She says she doesn't want to be around me. And it crushed him. And I was like, son, get used to it. it it'll change. So, <laughs> and so, and after a little while, it did. And, uh, but he had his feelings hurt so bad. Just for a three year old, so I said, wait till she gets to her teens. And she hits 12, you're screwed. <laughs> you're ready, Dan. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I was just going to say, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> About 12, the gloves come off, especially with girls. I don't know why. But yeah. yeah. Speaking to the uh, actually your question, I, I can remember a time my dad and I were playing pool billiards and he beat me and it was a close game. And, and just because that's what my friends and I would say, we, I was like, oh, I, I hate you. And he'd be like, I never thought you would ever say that to me. And it kind of hurt his feelings. And then after I said it, I was like, damn it, I shouldn't have said that. Like my feelings were hurt. So I don't know. I, I guess that was just because of our relationship, but yeah, I, I've, I, that's the only incident I can remember of ever doing that to my own father. And I felt like an asshole after I did it. So yeah. yeah we had uh, one, I don't even know what the skirmish was. and I, We were horsing around and he got mad and he tripped and fell into the couch and flopped like he was playing NBA basketball. <laughs> and his mom <laughs> come around the corner. He was, I don't know. He's probably 12 at the time. And you would have thought that I had broken his neck. And he played it <laughs> up. And to this day, he's still like, he threw me into the couch. I'm like, no, you tripped, you idiot. <laughs> so, you'll look back and laugh later in life. But we still go back and forth over that one. And I think he just, we were wrestling and he just got mad that he couldn't take me down because he was, uh, he was playing. Hey, we're not playing. You, you compete in wrestling. He was competing in school at wrestling. And he couldn't take me down. He's like, you're old, you're fat. I should take you. And then he tripped and <laughs> fell into the couch. And like I said, he flopped as soon as he saw his mom coming around. It was like professional LeBron James on the floor twitching. <laughs> your ass up, boy. Um, to kind of keep it on the son side of things, I have another friend who, uh, and it's actually a daughter in his case, but he's all the time complaining about how he will introduce her to a song he loved from his youth or a movie that he loved growing up and every time she is just not having any of it that's not her thing uh you know she wants to watch whatever and listen to to insert here i can't even keep up with today's youth but that being said when when your son was growing up and you would introduce him to to whatever the case may be you know uh rocky or or rambo or whatever fireworks baseball uh things that you enjoyed did did you find him kind of falling in line with your likes and dislikes or is he one of those like he's his own man and he just likes things that you don't like at all um it's kind of both he didn't really like sports he liked going uh, he would go fishing and he would do the things but he didn't really like them so sports was a no as far as we were both kind of i don't want to say geeks but um you know, I like the Transformers, the Speed Racer, Ultraman, Spider-Man, that stuff growing up. And I would show them to him. Of course, his thing was, you know, the, the graphics and everything is so much better now than it was then. It was hard to watch. So um, music. Oh, Lord. 
um, no. <laughs> it, but it's funny. As he's gotten older, he's gotten better with it. Um, because he'll send me a picture. He's out on his back deck smoking a cigar with a, a thing of whiskey listening to Pink Floyd. And I'm like, the hell were you? <laughs> what what were you doing? You were listening to some punk band that was beating her head into a wall or something. Uh, so, but now it's funny. He has taken with Harper, and he is introducing her to like the Pink Floyd, the Aerosmith, the the older stuff. She loves it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get. It. You couldn't. And you get. It's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't. I think it's kind of just subjective. It's hit or miss, and you know they are little computers, but they do have their own tastes. So yeah, I guess you just have to kind of let them decide some. Yeah, with as far as the music, uh, my dad and my mom they did not hesitate to play whatever they wanted when I was around. And as a result of that, I'm a big fan of, you know, like we said earlier, things like Aerosmith or uh, uh, Johnny Cash or uh, Alan Jackson or uh rat or poison or you know just these things that maybe i would not have been exposed to if they'd let me just pick all the things on my own and i'm thankful for that you know i I have uh it's it's maybe hurting me these days because i can't listen to the radio really at all anymore um, because the the new music's really hit or miss and i'm not trying to sound like an old fogey or nothing but it's i would rather listen to led zeppelin for you know the 30,000th time than to try to listen to an hour's worth of, of today's uh, rock music and you know yep. call me whatever insult you want to call me but that's just that's just what it is with me and same uh, way yeah dan's dan we were uh, when you came on and we were listening to a little bit of uh john cougar mellencamp because that's just something that dan loved you know from from childhood because of his mom yep yep and so, so my dad was a dj so Oh, rad. I always wanted to be a DJ. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that's why I kind of like to be behind the mic now. But um, we would get, like I said, he wasn't around that much, but we would get uh, the demos from the old 45s, stuff that wasn't even played. Um, oh. So we would have, gosh, I wish I still had some of them too. Damn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we would get stuff, uh, you know, that was just not even played on the radio or heard of. And so, he would play he was big into country and western but he switched more towards rock towards the end of his career so we would get all that stuff oh mom would mom would uh let me listen to some of it she wouldn't let me listen to all of it but we were so of course my generation we were limited with only four uh, dc i had five tv stations growing up so the radio to me was always a big deal so i always always was listening to the radio and I was I was lucky because not only the albums and stuff like I said, but I had just that's all I ever knew was music. So yeah, it would, probably, you could probably hear a killing in the background. It makes for a good uh, background <laughs> noise. So. I, I either uh, I've got to the point where my editing is just maybe I'll take it out, maybe I'll worry about it, maybe I won't. Really, all that anybody cares about is the content. So as, as long as you don't have some kind of raven sitting on your shoulder. It, no one really is really going to say anything. Well, it's and, bath time for for muddy boy. So, and, and our our host or our hosts, our listeners, we do have uh, around. I think we just crossed the thirty mark. Uh, but the next comment that they say will be well, actually, the next comment they say will be the second comment they say. 
we did have one guy leave us a, uh, a comment that's a, a buddy of mine. So we don't get a lot of feedback. And we just say that that's because everything we do is, is exactly what they want and, and what they're missing in their lives. So if we just keep on doing this month after month, year after year, and never get a comment, then I just assume that we're uh, doing the right thing as long as our listenership grows. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not one to, I've never been one to really call in or write in or anything like that. So, you know, I can't really complain if, if they're acting like I am. Um, just wait you'll get your first troll and your first talker that's yeah we we talk about uh what it was a joke earlier on we're like if we got 20 listeners then one of them's a crazy person so um but at the same time like that person they're going to be a committed fan and and you know maybe maybe one day i'll have to send them a shirt because they were there for the <laughs> there you go as long as it doesn't have my address on it yeah um, so you you mentioned you, you called your mom a single mom you mentioned your dad not being around awful uh that awful much what would you or who or rather would you consider being the biggest father figure in your life? Did you have one at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a uh, uncle. Um, it was my mom's brother and uh, he lived not too far from us. Didn't see him often, but often enough to where he was the significant role model in my life growing up. Um, he had been the volunteer firefighter uh, and then he went into contract work. Uh, he was a handyman, basically for lack of a better term, uh, on a military base. And so I learned a lot from him. Um, and he was also that crazy uncle that didn't mind buying you beer when you were 16 or, you know, didn't mind getting you the dirty magazine, you know? Um, so he was that uncle too. So it was, it was kind of cool in more than one way. That's where he let me experience Captain Crunch and uh, Budweiser at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> right nice. on. Yeah, we uh, I've mentioned in the on the podcast in the past that my dad is not, I, for lack of you know, uh, we'll just put it politely and say my dad was never really there, and I, I put it I put it a little less nicely uh, throughout the the course of the podcast, but we'll say that he he wasn't around that much. But my uh, grandpa, who wasn't even my blood grandpa, he he had married my grandmother and then actually was divorced before I came along. But he was the guy for me. He, you know, he taught me right from wrong, taught me hard work, you know, taught me that you don't necessarily expect something when you're helping somebody. Sometimes you just help them and then and that's the end of it. And and that's really come into play with me uh, here lately. My grandma's reached that point where I am taking care of her. And my dad is, uh, as you may suspect from what I've said, he is not. And I am not getting to get anything from it and really don't expect to get anything from it. It just has to be done. And if I had not had my grandpa teaching me that as a kid, I don't think that I would be able to handle it as well as I am right now. So I'm thankful for him. And he has, you know, finalized, you know, firmed up the opinion that I have uh, these days about um, a man or a daughter, really needing that uh, presence in their lives it may not be the father but they need to have you know that masculine uh, role model teaching them uh, as much as as you know they can get out of it and maybe they don't uh, you know hit all the notes maybe they miss you know catching in the backyard or, or taking them to the zoo but you know they they're there when they need it most and i've uh, you know i talk to dads <laughs> seemingly almost every other day and it they all have the same story about how, you know, they know people that uh, maybe they're good people, 
but they're not there for their kids and they can see it affecting the kids. And oftentimes they actually go that extra mile and, you know, kind of step in there to help. And I am so like in awe of that because it just seems like I'm sure you can remember uh, even more so because you had three, you know, having your own kids, that's like all of your time, like you have nothing. And then to know that, you know, a couple of these dads are still finding uh, wherever under the couch and, and in the seat cushions to to spend more time with other kids that need it that's just that's just awesome and crazy at the same time and uh, that's a long-winded way of saying that um, every kid needs a fatherly figure so uh, once again our lazy river kind of uh, floated off to the side a little bit and then bumped and floated yeah. back one of um, the guys i worked with he uh, said something to me one day because i hated being gone for 24 hours especially when they were little. And um, he said something to me that I have remembered to this day. And it just really struck me. I said something about, uh, we were talking at shift change. She was relieving me. And uh, he said, well, at least you know where he is. He said, even if you're just at home and you're not doing anything because you're exhausted, they know where you are. And that has resonated with me my entire life, um, especially now with him um, he's no longer with us but um he lived with the fact that he never knew where his dad was or he never knew what his dad was doing his entire life this was a grown man at told you know and so i that just it is still he's at least they know where you are he says even if you're in the uh, office on the computer with your feet up doing nothing they know where you're at they know to come get you and yeah um, that stuck with me and, you know, also, it, it started out as kind of being the paramedic in the neighborhood, but my kid was uh, the social butterfly while well, two of my children were. I think I raised more children in this neighborhood than anyone. Um, I've got more sweat equity and dollar value in some of the kids in this neighborhood, and it's come in handy a few times. Now I've gotten older, I'm like, hey, need a refrigerator move. I'm going to call him up. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and I didn't expect to get anything out of it, but. Yeah, I think I was a dad to more kids in this neighborhood than anyone. So, yeah, I had, I took, we did a boys trip uh, with my son and his friends uh, to Panama City Beach, did fishing, disc golf. And it was just him and me and, the, you know, the boys from the neighborhood. You know, the, the, some of them had never even been to the beach. Hell, is that possible? So, but yeah, yeah. So we did try and lose one out to see one. <laughs> like, I'm not going to swim after his ass. If the lifeguard don't get him, he'll load up something. <laughs> Just lean back and let the current take you back to shore. <laughs> we were waving at him. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he was probably waving right back. He was. I was like, I think we should go get him. I'm like, yeah, he'll be all right. <laughs> the lifeguards had to go retrieve it. Oh, well, he made it. That's uh, all that matters. Yeah, yeah. We still laugh about that one. So he's, he took me on vacation, tried to kill me. I said, hey, <laughs> you were the one that said you wanted to go further out. And I said, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Hey, that Sometimes that's all you can do. I wouldn't do that if I were you. And then if they don't listen, I mean, hey, whatever. Um, we're coming down here toward the end of our, of our scheduled time. We could go all night and apparently Zoom would record it. But before I, I send things in a in a more uh, podcast oriented direction, did you have anything else that you wanted to get to, Dan, before we, we moved off down that road? Yeah, you said you had somebody in your family that lived in Vermont. Um, I'm just curious about 
where whereabouts in Vermont because that's where you know I, I lived in New Hampshire. We moved to Vermont, and that's where I finished out my high school years, and that's where I went to college. And then when I moved to Tennessee, that's where I was living at the time, and my mom still lives there. So I'm just curious about whereabouts in Vermont. Um, it's Stowe is the biggest city closest to it, and yep. um, I'm trying to think of the name of the little town. It's something Woodbury, maybe. Um, they just bought a house recently, but they had been living in uh, Johnston, I think which is just outside of Stowe. And yeah. uh, they just bought a house uh, in this town. I haven't been up there yet. So um, it's funny how he ended up there. He um, was here in Atlanta and Atlanta is known for their humidity, their heat, hot summers. And uh, he was, uh, he had started with Comcast, which is the cable company. And he'd done everything from answering the phones. To then he was out installing in the houses. And then he was finally up to maintenance repair. Uh, he called me one day and it was hotter than hell. And he goes, my balls are dripping, Dad. I want out of this place. I can't take this humidity. I hate the humidity. And I thought, you know, because his wife said she wanted to see snow. They'd never seen snow. Well, she had never seen snow. And uh, I was like, he's like, I want to go see snow. And I thought, eh, okay, this will blow over. My son has this habit of uh, ooh, shiny and going for it. But he went on the <laughs> net and applied for every job he could possibly find. Uh, and this guy calls him from Vermont, and I told Kyle, uh, the guy talked to him and was like, yeah, okay, cool. I said, you're going to have to call him back, Kyle. I said, I said you're, you're, uh, you're from Atlanta. That's in Vermont. They're going to look at you, look at your name, and they're going to be like, yeah, he's not fit in for up here. And uh, you'll never hear from him again. I said, so you got to call him. So he called him back. He's now, I don't know, he's a vice president. He does, he's in management or something with the cable company in Stowe, Stowe Vision, I think it's called. And he uh, he went up there for an interview and he come back. He goes, I really like it up there. I'm like, Kyle, snow. He goes, no, I want to call. <laughs> and uh, his first winter up there, it was so funny. Uh, well, it was last winter. He calls me and he goes, hey, they're expecting mild snow. And I said, oh. He said, yeah, they called for four feet. <laughs> I said, and that's a mild winter, huh? Yep. <laughs> I was like, you want it cold, son. You're not going to get that humidity up there. Your balls are going to nope. sweat. They're going to be frozen and blue. So. <laughs> but he loves it. Yeah, that's, so. about, that's about an hour, hour and a half from where where I was or where my mom still is. So, yeah, <clears throat> we live in a, they live in a little town. It's called Norton. It's right on the Canadian border, and then I we it's just a few miles closer to New Hampshire. But it, uh, I grew up in a town called Canaan, so if you ever hear that, that's that's about where I'm from. So my gosh, I had never been. Well, I had flown in and out of there on you know the plane, but I'd never spent any time there. We come up, mm-hmm. and I don't know remember the interstate, but we came into the state uh, last spring. I he moved in April, and I went up in June and finished helping him move. And we came in the interstate in that Green Mountain. I have no, and I love the Smoky Mountains. Don't get me wrong, but I have never seen anything so beautiful in my life. So I don't know if it had just rained or if it was sunny. Those were the most beautiful emerald green mountains I had ever seen. I mean, I pulled off the side of the road. And I gotta, I gotta stop and take this in. It is gorgeous. <laughs> you, need to, you need to go in the fall when the the leaves change. Yeah, I would like to do that, and I want to avoid mud season. Understand that? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I didn't for realize sure. that there was a season for mud. So. Yeah, there's. They have five seasons. We used to say up there. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, mud season. He said that they actually have to get special tires for some areas, I guess for yep. trucks and stuff at work. Like, yep. If so you get snow tires, you gotta get regular tires, and you get mud tires. <laughs> That's yep. crazy. Interesting. <laughs> uh not something I would love to deal with. Glad uh we don't have that around here. Yeah. And th- you know, in Tennessee, we kind of fall right between the two. So we got four seasons, you know, summers are nice. They're not terrible. Certainly not Atlanta. And uh, our winters are nowhere near Vermont. So I can't nope. complain. <laughs> we get no winter here in Atlanta. If it snows a quarter of an inch, Atlanta's gridlocked. Yeah, you, you know, they're probably freaking out. <laughs> that Yankee dandruff is not good for Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're the ones that sending it too. Those damn Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so I, as I said earlier, I do like to give you, and we may have time to touch on some other stuff afterwards, but I do want to give you the last uh, little bit to discuss everything you got going on. You mentioned like, uh, from what I recall, three different shows, I think. And one of them uh, is right up my alley with the paranormal, uh, but the other two, you know, uh, included, uh, give you a, ride, a wide range of topics to discuss. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, let you get that out there, explain that to our you know, our huge listenership and maybe try to uh, get yourself a couple new listeners. Cool. Um, well, you talked about the misfits. Uh, my nickname is sport cat. And so through the years, I've made many friends uh, either through my career, through my hobby of radios, ham radio um, are just off the net, just weird people. Um, we kind of call ourselves misfits. And so um, I decided after it really kind of started as a fluke because my normal show was it just started out as the sport cat podcast where I talked about comics, whiskey, cigar, vaping, moonshine, whatever, you know, I didn't have a real set format. As long and, as it's uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I had a partner that wanted to do this psychic stuff. And so, and, I, and going out camping, um, I always, I've had experiences with the paranormal and Bigfoot. And of course, one of the houses I grew up in was haunted. So I had my experience with the paranormal. Um, yes. And I even took my son Bigfooting. Um, and so I was like, well, I like that because I like the paranormal, but I don't only want to talk about that. So that's where we came up with initially it was going to be me and my son. I was going to be the para and he was going to be the normal. (laughs) Um, and my son just got busy and then he moved away. So one of my other friends, we did it for a while until we had, uh, we're just going to say we had a reconcilable differences in divorce. Um, and uh, well, he just wanted to do more of the psychic stuff, and he thought for some reason he's going to get famous and rich off doing this. Which you know, I've got 50 listeners, so I'm just ahead <laughs> of you by a little bit. Um, and I don't plan on getting rich or doing any of that. I like, I look at it as having fun, meeting new people. I mean, you know, and so I did, I started, I went back to what it was para or normal. We could have somebody like last uh, Wednesday, we had uh. Kara on discussing how she uh, goes into prisons and stuff. And this is an ICU nurse, a very educated lady, and hunts and talks to the spirits that are in there. Has proof down to where they know her name. Incredible. I mean, that, that blew me away. Uh, and in a few weeks before that, I had uh, Miranda Maverick. She's an MMA professional uh, fighter. She just uh, had her premiere on ESPN a few weeks ago. She got her ass kicked. <laughs> But it was because she was blind and blind and she went on and shouldn't have. I mean, I've already had a paramedic talk with her. So I feel like I'm your dad telling me this. You should have listened to your trainer and your medical staff not to go in the third round. 
But anyway, uh, so, and it's funny, she talked about her dad taking her out in the woods and at night he tried to scare her with Bigfoot. So I kind of add things in there with the para our normal show um, and still the para our normal guys. Although my current co-host Brenda, uh, she's not a guy, but she could probably beat my ass. Right, she's the next cop. But uh, <laughs> so we have fun with it. But what started with the misfits was after the show, we would just have like open mic. You know, anybody wanted to come on the show, come on. We'll give, send you the link to Streamlabs, Streamyard. You know, come on and just BS with us. The people started reacting more to that than they were the regular show, and so. I was like, wait a minute. I like doing this anyhow. Why don't we just have a Saturday night like you're back in the old days and when I was growing up, we'd give them the CB and talk at night, you know, and there'd be a bunch of kids from around the neighborhood talking. I said, well, the internet provides us with an even larger neighborhood, you know, so uh, my misfits are in Tennessee, Maryland, uh, Texas. Um, gosh, I don't know. It depends on who shows up, you know, and that has gotten a better reception than the other shows. Now, I mean, I get spikes when I have like Miranda Maverick, an MMA fighter, on, UFC fighter on, but that has gotten more hits and more views. And it's probably less stressful to produce and put out there because I could make the silly noise with the soundboard, or I could be like, Oh, I'm done with you and click them off the screen. Not really be, but you know, and just have fun with it. And I picked up a ventriloquist and Holy cow. I never thought I could laugh so hard as laughing at a comedian that actually knows how to perform as a ventriloquist, but to making fun of this little tiny doll. Oh, it's great. <laughs> so it's like a perfect stress relief. That's gotten more hits and more views on the misfits. Uh, and I invite you guys any night you want to come on and be a part of the misfits. Be warned. You're going to be heckled by a three foot tall dummy um, and his talker. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we just like to have fun with that. Um, that's how that really came to be. So the paranormal is a little more stressful because every week I'm always like, all right, I got outdo last week. And, you know, I've had a guy that uh, punched Buzz Aldrin. Uh, he was a reporter for CBS. No, he got punched by Buzz Aldrin because he went up to him asking to swear on a Bible uh, that he didn't go to the moon. You know, I had that guy on. I had a professional. Was that guy on? Like, I feel like I saw that video um yeah yeah it was somewhere. it was it was international and i actually called the guy and was like hey just curious i got this small but it's my key you gotta use these words i got this small but yet successful podcast so successful is kind of broad it means i got it out on the internet that's pretty much all it means mm-hmm. <laughs> and like i said uh you know i've got a couple best-selling authors coming up uh i got some comic book creators um i'm sitting on a big secret uh an A-lister <laughs> coming up, which I'm really surprised I got later in the summer. So uh, comics are right up my alley. Um, oh, me too. I, I grew up on a comic books when when you could actually feel the paper, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking if if I look behind you, I've got Captain America, Vision, uh, Flash, Batman, um, just all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a super nerd. So yeah, that's the, I, I'll definitely have to keep uh, keep an eye out for you know when you have those guys on. It doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, Marvel, DC, uh, Image. I just like, you know, uh, talk, hearing guys from the business talk about the business. It, um, it There's more to it than even I know about. And that's the other cool thing about doing this. I'm learning stuff, you know? Yeah, it, like I said before, I, I seem to learn something 
unexpected every single time we do this. And you obviously have so many people uh, from all different uh, you know walks of life that you're probably learning just like if you had to write a book of trivia, you'd probably have just the craziest assortment of facts, uh, you know, from from all from, ah, whatever. You know, what I'm trying to say <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that one out. You know, lucky, lucky I do the editing of this thing. Um, I don't want to cut you off uh, or cut you short. I did have a question about that uh, para or normal um, podcast. Uh, did you have anything else that you uh, that you wanted to share uh, about the whole uh, process? Uh, what about as far as podcasting or anything that you, uh, because I, you know, I kind of jumped in there maybe before you were done. I don't know. Um, as far as, uh, the podcasting, um, I mean, you can, Facebook is the thing now and TikTok. I'm God almighty. I hate TikTok, but I'm learning it. Um, oh, you're on TikTok too. I'll, um, if you send me your, uh, your handles to these things, I will, I will add you. I'm, uh, I'm struggling my way through there as well. Yeah. It, I don't, I don't know that I like it, but I think a lot of these things start getting into almost too much because I've already picked up a stalker. Uh, I've picked up two super fans. I don't know how. Um, it's like they know more about me sometimes. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if you should know that. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's that's kind of fun. But you can find me on Facebook at the Para Our Normal Guys G U I with a Z. We have a group, and of course, then I have the Sport Cat uh, podcast page. Um, and I'm learning the TikTok. Um, I think it's just Sport Cat or Sport Cat Medic. If you can't find me at Sport Cat or Sport Cat Medic anywhere on Instagram or Twitter or wherever, then you're not looking hard enough. I'm <laughs> usually the only one. Um, but yeah, and I'm trying to learn to get this stuff out there. And I'm a little slow about some of it. I didn't have to do. My wife was the one that talked me into doing video because I was just going to do audio only. And um, the video editing is a lot different than audio editing. So I'm still learning some of that. Um, and then getting it out to the podcast form too is, you know, um, sometimes a little harder than I thought it was. I was lucky I had a partner that did all that until we didn't do it. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and getting on the dad subject. Um, it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. And like I said, just man up, own your, own your shit, you make a mistake, let them know, you know, and, and teach your, teach your sons to own their shit because that's the generation that's going to take care of us when we're in the nursing home or they're going to be pushing a red button or not pushing a red button. So <laughs> make sure they know their stuff. So, um, and it is, I, I, like you were saying, it is important to have a man in the life. I don't care what any of social media tv says politicians bull crap uh having a man yep. like, whether it's the uncle neighbor i had neighbors growing up that you know took me and taught me things you know i had neighbors on either side of me in virginia that you know taught me stuff so and that was you know the older generation for me even that was what they did is they taught their kids stuff and i think that's why to me i didn't mind doing stuff with the kids in the neighborhood and you never know when you're going to make that one comment that will say something, do something stupid. It's going to leave a lasting impression, either positive or negative. So, you know, um, I still, like I said, I still get kids in the neighborhood will call or text me out of the clear of the blue or send me a message on social media. You know, hey, remember when we were doing such and such that they're, you know, they will be approaching probably 30 in the next two years. <laughs> Seems like a long time. 
but they're already their own men and they remember those things. So you're going to make a lifetime's difference. So yeah, good advice. Own your shit. I mean, that's the best advice I can give you. And raising a girl, which I don't remember which one of you had a daughter. It's it's hell. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Boys are easy. (laughs) Buy them a matchbox car, a little toy fire truck, you know, comic book, whatever. Girl, you're going to buy every Barbie. You're going to buy every uh, action set for that Barbie. You're going to buy every accessory, everything. And then you're just going to throw it out the window and probably set it on fire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then while they're doing it, tell you they love you. (laughs) (laughs) Be ready. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to cut both of those for reals. Those are those are both good. It's so true. I love my girls, but I think you're both crazy. So. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, I only have one thing left, and that is uh, tied into my my paranormal, uh, uh, you know, interest and, and curiosity. And you've seen and experienced quite a few things in your life. You've talked to you know any number of of experts and. And, and firsthand witnesses. Um, so I'm just going to keep this uh, fairly recent. What's the uh, the coolest, the scariest, the spookiest thing that you've heard uh, as far as paranormal, uh, Bigfoot, aliens, ghosts, what have you, uh, within the past you know few months or so? What you know, what stuck out to you? Huh. Well, the guy that uh, wrote the book that said we didn't land on the moon um, was pretty convincing. I mean, he had he has he's got a great book. He's got some convincing evidence, um, and it does make sense in just the technical way that if we had the technology in the was it, 50s, 60s to go to the moon, we don't have that same technology in 2020 or better. So that that kind of was the one that stuck with me as far as I'll say oddest, scariest. Um, well, my nurse that liked to go down into the basement of prisons where they had abandoned prisons uh and look for ghosts and has actually had them touch her talk to her and know her name um that's kind of creepy um so that was probably the creepiest as far as uh scariest oh wow uh for me personally um it was probably actually the last time i went out in the woods and we were we we used to go out looking for Bigfoot. And I think that's because the TV show says finding Bigfoot, go out and knock on a tree. They'll come to you. doesn't quite work that way. Um, the best way to find Bigfoot is go out and get some time out in the woods, get some dirt on your feet, get some experience out there. Let the animals in the woods know that you're a regular in the woods because they're nothing. Well, we believe them to be nothing more than animals, but that's the way they behave in certain ways. The scariest was, uh, it was like four o'clock in the morning. Me, my son, and a couple friends of uh, mine were camping, and that's what we do now. We call it camping. And if Bigfoot shows up, hey, Bigfoot shows up. If nothing happens, we had a great time camping. <laughs> um, at about three o'clock in the morning, I heard something coming through, and this god awful smell. I mean, to the point where I was—I have a tent cot, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a cot with a tent over it. It's a little tiny thing folds up pop it in the back of the suv and you're down the road in two minutes um so it's a confined space i mean it was so bad in there that i was gagging i'm like did i do <laughs> is this me i mean it was horrible i've never smelled something this bad and even as a paramedic i could say i've never smelled anything that bad um and i heard the footsteps and then i heard talk well 
people probably will find this hard to believe, but a Bigfoot can mimic you. It mimicked my son's voice. And the only, I mean, like literal tone and everything. And he was calling. It turned out one of my friends knew my son, but didn't know that they knew each other because they took karate together in this small neighborhood, whatever. And um, he was like two levels up from my son. But every now and then they'd like watch each other's matches and stuff. So they kind of knew each other. Um, and they had nicknames, I guess, at karate. They give each other nicknames. I didn't know this. This is the first time I'd ever, and I don't even remember what his uh, name was, but that was the first time I'd ever heard that even from even uh, the other guy. And he called him that. And he knew what it was. Well, in the middle of the night, I hear my son calling for him using that, that name. And I'm like, okay, this is the first time I've ever heard that word. Cows in a hammock, which had me a little more concerned because the guy was like, I don't believe this Bigfoot crap. I want to be a little bit further out. So he went, too far out but far enough out i could hear them getting over there close to him i heard him close to us there was a couple of them and that's probably as a parent i was like all right i don't mind the fun and games i've been scared by you guys i've had stuff thrown at me uh you know i get it i've had you scream at me right to my face practically cool but now you're messing with my kids that was probably the scariest i've ever been um and i think that there's some type of creature that can sense what's going on. And I think they sense that my attention was getting to the point where I was like, hands on the revolver here. So, <laughs> you know, you guys get too close. You're going to meet my friend Smith and Wesson. <laughs> so um, that they kind of backed off. I mean, wow. I never screamed or anything, but it was funny. The next morning, like, so did you guys hear all that noise and stuff? And one of the other ones like, I thought I heard Kyle in the middle of the night saying something, but I didn't really know what he was saying. He said, yeah, and it's our stuff's all been messed with. He says, what was in here? And I said, oh, we had about three Bigfoot in the camp. So <laughs> cause that was probably the scariest I've Oof. ever been. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, growing up as a kid, we had several scares uh, with, I don't know if they were ghosts, demons, spirits that weren't with us that. To this day, kind of leave me sometimes a little bone chilled. So yeah, I had plenty of spirits that didn't like me as a child that used to mess with me. So yeah, and, and that, do you talk about that sort of thing on your podcast? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, so they'll have something to search for if uh, they they want those stories. It's funny. I use a, a guy, Bobby Dizzles. He has his own show and stuff too, and uh, he will hear me like I told him at the time that we were on a med flight going to Bermuda in the middle of the night in an emergency. And we got lost in Bermuda. We, we got lost, but we didn't know we were lost. But they had already contacted the FAA, had contacted the owner of the company, and they were bringing people in. They were asking how many souls on board. We dropped off the radar. Other planes couldn't see us. And um, he's like, all this time, you've been on my show multiple times. And you never told me you got lost in Bermuda Triangle. I'm like, yeah, no big deal. So <laughs> he's like, why did you tell me these things? <laughs> wow. I mean, that's nowadays you have to be one of the only people that can say, you know, I'm still alive and I've been lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, I, I have a certain sort of belief in that, but that with that being said, you don't hear as much about things happening there as you used to. Um, but the fact that you experienced something there, supernatural or not, that's really cool. Um, and also, you know, very uh, convenient that you didn't like 
know that it was going on at the time because that would have made it much sleep in the jet i was we had a three-hour flight and it was perfect time sound of the jet engines beautiful night over the ocean yeah i was i think the pilots were asleep too but evidently yeah (laughs) but yeah they lost us off radar uh they tried contacting us they hailed us on the emergency frequencies they had the other jets in the area they couldn't see us and um because when we came in bermuda i don't know if you've ever been to bermuda but it's a really tiny airport They'd already turned off their lights and turned off their control tower. I mean, wow. they weren't anticipating any more flights that night. And wow. luckily, the pilots, um, they had landed there enough. that They were familiar. And it wasn't like it was pitch black, but they were familiar enough where we could land. So when we landed, uh, uh, security police pulled up. I'm like, who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. And our phone is instantly all of our phones were going off. We had voice messages, text messages, like from everybody at the office. We're like, it's like three in the morning, guys. <laughs> wow. There, man. Okay. Well, there's so much we could have unpacked from that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep you here any longer. Uh, Dad, did you have anything that you wanted to uh, talk about before we said goodbye? Uh, nope. Right on. Well, then, with that being said, Glenn, thank you so much, man, for joining us. You've been awesome. Uh, you're super friendly. And you've uh, once again taught us something, at least me, that I didn't know going in. You gave us some great advice for all the dads out there. I'm going to get at least a couple of those in clips and uh, and share those out. I don't get or I I do get far more views on my clips than I actually have viewers uh, or more listeners because I do put the videos on uh, on YouTube, but they're just pictures of us and our kids. They're not, you know, this here. Um, So I get like you know, five views or seven views or something on those. But uh, the, you know, the view or the, the reels, they get seen by hundreds. And sometimes I feel like, you know, you give or whoever will give something out there, will give some input that needs to be heard by as many people as possible. So I do try to get those in particular. I pick those out and make sure that as many people hear that as I can get. Because some, you know, like I said, sometimes you just need people to hear these things and, uh, and whatever I can do to get it out there, I'm going to do. Uh, so thank you for giving all that. Thank you for, for coming on, uh, spending your Friday with us. We do appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, one last, uh, one last little bit of paramedic advice for new parents. Um, especially, um, the ones that have never been around others with children, go take a first aid class, go take a CPR class, choking kids, scare you fever, scare you. Um, don't worry if you have a child that has a fever of 104 and they start to have a seizure. That's the body's way of reacting. So go go learn a little bit of medical stuff because you're going to be woke up at three o'clock in the morning with a sick kid and don't know what to do. And right yep. now with the healthcare crisis, you may be on your own for up to an hour. So <laughs> it's kind of a scary world out there. You know, go go get a little bit of uh, just free first aid at the YMCA, Red Cross, American Heart. There's plenty of places that teach it. And uh, yep. the scaredest you will ever see a parent is the first time parent with a child having a seizure. That's the most horrifying look that you'll ever see. So, yeah, learn that ch- kids get sick. Kids get fevers. Kids have seizures. That's their body's reaction to it. Scares the hell out of you. But believe it or not, it's the actual red blood cells rubbing against each other to produce friction to get body out of the heat out of the body. It is. Damn it. And leaving us with some more good information. <laughs> hey, that's probably too. that's probably more important than anything. And that and saving a choking child because I can't get to you in eight minutes. There ain't no way. 
So <laughs> you're on your own, and that is a horrifying thing to see. Whew. Yeah. The good to yeah, I'm actually gonna look into that into that myself now. I didn't I have a couple of just, uh, I think you can take it online now, to be honest. After COVID, I think you can take that you can get your master's degree online. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh anything to uh make it easier on myself, make it less stressful. I'm only so I'm only so strong uh, mentally. Uh, I'm I'm hit or miss. So anything that can make me a little stronger and make it easier for me to deal with these things, I'm all for. Um, but with let with yet more awesome advice, we're going to go ahead and end things here. And uh, once again, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Glenn. Uh, Dan, thank you for joining me. Uh, you always make yeah. it a lot easier to uh, to run these things. And uh, with that, uh, you know, I guess I'll check you guys later. Check you later. Y'all just holler if you ever need anything. I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Love to hear that. Love when the guest wants to come back. Um, hey, let me know. I'll teach fire safety next time. So. Right so matches, kids. <laughs> Gasoline, <laughs> match, boom, bad. <laughs> right on. Thanks a lot. We'll talk All to right. you later. Y'all have All a good right. evening. We'll catch See you later. later. I would do borderline homosexual acts for a Clovis point.